0: You are listening to Intrepid Healthcare's exclusive coverage of the HIMSS Annual Conference and Exhibition. Welcome to HIMSS 15, direct from Chicago. Our coverage is brought to you by CTG Health Solutions, your trusted advisor for healthcare IT advisory and consulting services. And now, here are your hosts, Joe Lavelle and Rayanne Thorne.
1: Welcome to a special episode of Intrepid Healthcare, live from HIMSS 15 exhibition floor in Chicago. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really excited to be bringing you Talk HIT with CTG with my friend and co-host, Rayanne Thorne, from our remote studio right here in the CTG Health Solutions booth. Rayanne, let's give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, CTG. Yeah,
0: Absolutely, Joe. We are so happy to be here at HIMSS 15. And if you are interested in learning a little bit more about CTG... And whether or not you might want to work there, actually, they have a really great reputation. Modern Healthcare helped select them as a best place to work in 2013 and 2014, so they have a great staff here. They have taken such great good care of us, and we are thrilled to be right dead center in their booth, providing information, pushing content out, and creating better relationships with folks that are walking this floor here.
1: Speaking of great, Rayanne, we have a great guest, and we're going to get right to it. Today, we're joined by Gene Thomas, CIO of Gulfport Memorial Hospital. Gene, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Before we get into our discussion today, Gene, please give our audience a little bit about your background.
2: Sure. I'm currently the vice president and chief information officer at Memorial Hospital in Gulfport, Mississippi. I've been there about seven years. I came there seven years ago under the then CMIO, who asked me to come over and do a six-week project. And that was seven years ago. took a little (laughs) bit longer than he anticipated. Prior to that, I had done a few things in healthcare, but about half my career, I used to say most of my career, but I guess the years have gone by, was not in healthcare. It was in pure technology, where we did things like analytics, and we did things like customer segmentation, which looks like population health segmentation. But I got really interested in healthcare when I started working for the dean of the LSU School of Medicine, but I was very naive about the challenges in healthcare when I first got hooked by it, if you will. (laughs) Very naive. I understand those
1: challenges you're talking about, Gene, after 25 years of being on the front lines with guys like you. How about giving us a 10,000-foot overview of your great organization, Gene, Gulfport Memorial
2: Hospital? I appreciate that opportunity. Something we're really proud of. 445-bed, not-for-profit hospital right on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, about 60 miles east of New Orleans. We have 3,200 employees, 450 physicians, 445-bed. We own 85 clinics in our market. That was largely a post-Hurricane Katrina model that grew. A lot of practices went away, and what I mean by that is the patients went away or the building for the providers went away or both. So it became very interesting to become employed by that time. So that model worked for us. We'll do about 400,000 ambulatory visits this year. We'll do 180,000 outpatient procedures. We will do about 18,000 discharges and about 75,000 ED visits this year. So you're yeah. busy. We're busy. Very busy. Very busy. Well, Gene, the
1: last few years, five or six to be exact, the industry's been pursuing meaningful use stage one stage two things are still changing and growing there but i think we're on the downhill slide what have you learned from your pursuit of meaningful use that you'll use
2: going forward there's a lot of lessons from meaningful use for us it's actually something i don't spend much time at this point worrying about we were early strivers so we achieved meaningful use stage one in 2011 so we now received 100 percent of the incentive Dollars that we were entitled to earn. So we're now formally in the penalty phase. Right. Um, So it did mature some systems. It did mature some processes that that need to mature. My personal belief with Meaningful Use, what I learned is I I wish if it was going to be mandated for you to to receive the incentives, but more importantly, of course, not receive the penalties forever, I wish that the standard would have come out that said all of the data elements have to be the same. Mm -hmm. So the EHR vendors, to be certified, if they just would have, they being the government, I'm not a big believer in the government necessarily enforcing, but they did. Since since they did, in my personal opinion, it would have been better if they would have mandated all data elements be the same because our interoperability discussions would be infinitely different if not zero, if all the data elements were the same. Portability and interoperability is not a technology issue, in my opinion. It's a standards issue.
0: That's interesting.
2: Rayanne. how many times have we
1: heard that Uh-oh. the last couple of days? The thorn in the side is interoperability.
0: Yeah, and that's the buzzword at this conference, right?
1: I think Gene has hit it on the head, though. You, you,
2: to fix it, you've got to start with standards. There is no, it shouldn't be the buzzword. You're right. It should not be the buzzword. It's very unfortunate. It should unfortunate. be the standard. <laughs> it should be the standard. Other industries have done it. We all know that. they have heard all the examples. I still am baffled by people who obviously are smart, smarter than me, that should understand that. And there should be a drive to standards. And by not having that, we have a problem. And, and the we I talk about is everybody either listening to this or in this hall or in this city, anybody that's a taxpayer has a problem. They that's do. Right.
1: That's Jean, right. I'm not sure our listeners caught it, but you said you were two things, Hurricane Katrina, which devastated our Gulf Coast. I live in Fairhope, Alabama. And 2011, you were an early Meaningful Use participant. <laughs> mm-hmm. How did those two things go together? Did it kind of help you that you had to have new systems? You had to start
0: over anyway. How
1: did you get the troops rallied so fast after rebuilding almost an entire
2: health system on the Gulf Coast? So I wasn't there during Katrina, so let me qualify that. What I experienced after I got there in 2007, it was a very bonding, unfortunate event. People had to come together. Four hundred, Roughly 400 of the employees at Memorial Hospital lost their home overnight. Wow. Uninhabitable. Wow. Our chief of staff is somebody that you would enjoy speaking with. Tells a story. I mean, he drove his family to St. Louis, which is where they had family. He drove back in his camper, picking up samples at every doctor's office that he knew along the way. Lived in his camper in the parking lot of our hospital for three months, and provided care. The stories go on and on and on. I, I when I first got there, whenever you'd see something on the Weather Channel spinning five days out in the Gulf, people would glaze over, and I'm like. What's that about? And they said, you don't understand. You weren't here. Wow. Meaningful um, use was no big deal after that. Piece right? of cake. Piece of a, cake.
0: an incredible story yeah. and it, talks about what the contribution that your system has made to the area.
2: It was what, what I'll call and some people there are calling. Our CEO is very proud. All, of our, all of the employees are proud of what they did. It was the finest moment. People came to the hospital not because many people were hurt and injured, of course, not because they were hurt. They had no place to go. We were one of the few places for weeks that had anything like lights, power. air conditioning, power, yeah. Yeah. food. And hospitals are not places of refuge, but this was an abnormal scenario, so it became that. And there's a lot of great stories, out a lot of great stories, but it showed and solidified. And there's actually a following. We, we lost power several years ago. It actually happened. We lost power because a contractor cut a line in such a manner that the generators thought there was a load and the generators wouldn't power up. The day after Joint Commission arrived. <laughs> and we said, we're going to ignore you. And they said, we get it. And then about two hours later, uh, they said, would you like us to leave? Because we were close to making some hard decisions. They said, no, we said, no, you can stay. We just, we're not going to pay attention. But it, it, they were like, we're impressed. How do people know just to drop what they were doing? And the nurses that worked for me and information systems and other nurses just went to do care and says, we, we've done this before. Hurricane Katrina taught us.
0: We've learned what emergency really is. Yes, we've learned what a real emergency really is. A real emergency,
2: that's right. Um, So when it came to meaningful use, you know, part of that was force of will. We decided we wanted to, because of our payer mix, we're 65% plus Medicare, Medicaid, and uninsured, we clearly wanted the incentive dollars. But more importantly, and this was an administrative decision, we wanted the incentive dollars, we wanted to make sure that we were well positioned not to get penalized once the penalty phase hit. So through force of will, organizationally, medical staff did a great job. We met the measures and continued to meet them, of course.
1: Well, congratulations. Thank both you. on not only surviving but thriving for Hurricane Katrina and then meaningful use. I would call that thriving as well because you guys are thought leaders. You were out there right. first.
0: Right, uh-huh. and, and the accidental power cut, you know. <laughs> it kind of you know sometimes we need those tests to just know what we're capable of what we what we need to fix maybe some things were discovered during that little time that we can do better
2: you, you learn lots of lessons in those things and it builds, it builds scar tissue
0: how did joint commission go
2: very well very good it, it actually <laughs> went yeah, good question it actually went very well the wrap up session with them with the medical staff leadership and the and the leadership they were impressed with how we handled it yeah. So when it went very well, they saw us under pressure, real well, pressure. Well,
0: that's that's the best kind of test, I guess, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. Well,
1: Gene, we'll transfer subjects here. Rayanne and I want to get you in on a little pact we mm-hmm. have. We are not talking about ICD-10 next year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we don't. We don't want to say. Do you think it will happen? You know, <laughs> we want to say. How's it been since it's been implemented? <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: I think by next year, well, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, no, go ahead. I, I think you, by next exactly year, right. the, the discussions might likely be what was the impact and who got hurt by it and who's recovering from that versus who's not. Right. Uh, and that hopefully will be a small subset of providers, right? right. Either hospitals or group practices or whatever it may be.
0: Uh, I think practices, um, practices, primary care practices yeah. are going to be the hardest hit.
1: Exactly. And, well, and, and thank God for many health systems that have prepared themselves like you that will be a safety net, I think, to help you build your again. community model. You're ready. Net again, <laughs> yeah. interesting.
2: I, I, I've never, I haven't thought about it in that obvious way, but that's an obvious comment to me. Now that you say it, it wasn't obvious before you said it. Uh, it's going to be a challenge, I think. ICD-10. It, it's a challenge from an information standpoint. It's a challenge from a people standpoint. From the workflow that has to right. change. Now, the reading that I've I've done, we've tried to educate ourselves on. I think there will obviously be an increase in uh, AR days, and therefore, uh, d- resulting decrease in cash that I think you should plan for, at least expectation setting, not only plan operationally, but I do believe there's going to be some services and supplies that we expend on care and simply not get reimbursed for because it just won't be coded and it'll time out. Right. That's, right. Those are my big picture concerns with ICD-10. Right. So how do you make those as small as you can? And you Whatever air in the room you've got left, <laughs> you spend on training and workflow and remediation. Yeah.
0: Ease ease just let's let's ease on down the road. Yeah. Great advice. <laughs>
1: right. Last year Gene the big buzzword here was big data. Predictive analytics is a seems like what it's transitioning to this year. Are you guys doing anything
2: in either regard? I'm sorry, those topics again, Joe. I've never heard those topics again. <laughs> um, I want to go
0: live in your world, if that's the truth. Exactly. <laughs> can, I, can I please? <laughs> Little
2: butterflies fly around yeah, with big data yeah, around. Yeah, there's no big data. We strategically did something several years ago. We had disparate systems in our inpatient setting. You know, we grew this clinic based to 85 clinics and a disparate system in our ED. So We had three EHRs that were disparate and multiple satellite ancillary products. We strategically went down the path of we want an integrated system. So we went through a vendor selection, brought vendors down, down-selected, and we went live 303 days ago on June 14th of 2014 at 7 a.m. with a very large Cerner Big Bang implementation. And when I say large, we have somewhere north of 65 Cerner solutions in scope, which wow. Cerner tells us is about 2x what they're at least two yeah, years ago. They're right. their current client head. We did all of Cerner Millennium on the electronic health record, all financials on PeopleSoft, all revenue cycle, all on the same day. When we scoped the project, we knew that data and analytics would be important. So we went on a path to find an analytics vendor and an EDW vendor at the same time. So we selected Health Catalyst to stand up our EDW and to be our analytics vendor. So between Cerner and Health Catalyst, I feel very comfortable, we feel very comfortable Memorial, that we've got the right vendors to help us as we get on the path with big data analytics, predictive analytics, predictive modeling, et cetera. Very strategic, probably the most important top three things that I need to make sure I'm paying attention to on behalf of the physicians and, and my colleagues. Right. Uh, and I can talk a lot about that topic because it, it's a passion that I have and, and I think it's important to everybody, again, who's a taxpayer. Right. Because uh, we've got to figure out a way to use that data to better care for patients at a lower cost. And these are obvious things that everybody talks about and I know that gets old. Well,
0: you, you just said taxpayer, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about this before we, we went online here. Does that change how we view What's going on to realize that it is impacting the taxpayer, not just the staff, not just patients, not just the technology companies that support the systems. How important is it for us as individuals to realize, whoa, this is impacting me as a taxpayer, my neighbor as a taxpayer?
2: I'll comment on that specifically with a disclaimer. The, okay. the comments that are going to follow represent my personal beliefs, and that represent more um, a hospital or, or my CEO, so disclaimer.
0: That's you sitting there. So yes. We'll, we'll take that. So,
2: so in my opinion— Also known as great advice. <laughs> That's right. I think it's pretty important for, for taxpayers, and, and here's what I mean by that. If you look at all the constituents involved in the care process, you've got patients, you've got payers, you've got providers like us, group practices and, and right. health care providers. You have the industry here at HIMSS. And in general, some blanket statements I'm going to make. We all have opposing business models, right? So a blanket statement that may not be applicable. In most cases, patients aren't engaged and don't really cover the cost, nor do they want to cover the cost of care. I get that. We're all patients, right? We're all consumers. You've got the payers who want to, of course, they're in the risk business, right? Right? Right. I want to receive premiums, and I want to pay out as little as I can. Right Now, they're starting to get into, I want healthy populations, because that's how you do that.
0: That's how you do you it. You've
2: got the industry here at HIMS and others that are trying. They're, in, they're commercial businesses. Certainly, those that are public have a fiduciary duty to make money for their shareholders. So, they're trying to sell goods and services to the provider community. And we're trying to care for patients. And I'll put this in the context of not-for-profit um, hospital district providers, if you will, which in aggregate, right, we are probably the biggest right. provider out there. Right. And we care for that Medicare, Medicaid <laughs> population. We're trying to survive. Everybody there on the commercial side is actually making good money except the provider. Your not-for-profit hospitals actually don't make good margins in general. But we have opposing models. And until we all get in the room and talk about this, we're never all in the room at the same time. We don't ever really have the patients and the payers and the providers and the industry in the room at the same time saying, we, and the we is the taxpayer, we have a problem. And that's my personal belief. And I actually believe that having have to manage the budget and understand what we're spending and I look at the continuum of healthcare more, more maybe divided up a different way between the, the, the provider and all of the constituents your mega EHR vendors your device manufacturers, big pharma the consulting groups, go down the list Every, and again back to that not for profit footprint, everybody's making good margin except the provider and I'm not sure how long that's going to last
0: how long should it last? Not long. Right.
2: My point is, there, is it a zero-sum game? Is there yes. only some? So, you know, we receive reductions in reimbursement as Medicare and Medicaid providers, right? Right. Several so years ago, right? Sequestration, 2% off the top. This is a dicey thing to say at HIMSS. Why don't my contracts read that when I get a 2% reduction for Medicare and Medicaid, I get to pay my vendors 2% less? Right now, because of the increase in maintenance every year, you I wind up... You might want
0: duck right now. Exactly. <laughs>
2: but but my point is, while I get that, I've been right. in the commercial industry sure. and, and in and publicly traded companies. I'm a capitalist, so I get the capitalist aspect. The point is, we've got to do something different. We being the industry, and therefore on behalf of the taxpayer. Because let's agree, we're not bending the cost curve. Are we? Maybe we are, and I don't have the right data. I don't think so. Okay. In, in any meaningful, substantial long-term, high-impact way, are we really changing the cost of care?
0: That should be the ultimate goal.
2: Well, better care. Outcomes should be the goal. And quality,
0: that, that's, value. Let's, let's just call it value.
2: So, okay. so, And that's where I like and I'm comfortable with where we are with Cerner and Health Catalyst. Both of those companies, in my humble opinion, and I've spent a good bit of time talking with them on these topics, believe and agree that we've got, high, they agree, which some people don't, how can you have high quality and low, be the lowest cost? So you got to try. That's the definition of a commodity business. Not that healthcare is commoditized, right? right? But you find industries where they have the lowest cost and the highest quality because they've refined their processes. The variability we have in healthcare is like, whoa. Right. (laughs) Right. And you find other industries have fixed that, and they've minimized that variability. But, again, personal commentary, not representative of my institution. Well,
0: thank you. Thank you for sharing that personal (laughs) commentary. Let's
1: get back to... um, Sorry a little about your team back home. We'd love to give you a chance to brag on your team back home. Tell us about a successful project this year and what you may
2: have learned from it. So successful project. Again, we spent uh, the past two and a half years building our Cerner EHR and related systems, including financials, going live with it, standing up an EDW and standing up some fundamental initial applications that ride on top of that EDW. So the team really is is all the memorial team. I, I believe I've got a stellar team in, my, in information systems between my system analysts, my application analyst and my communication team, and Biomed now, which is actually part of information systems, right? All these devices are connected. Incredible people. Incredibly good talent. Incredible longevity at Memorial Hospital. The medical staff, the nursing staff, you know, nurses always say the day, right? Incredible people have been through a lot of change. Changing to something like Cerner from three disparate systems mm. requires a lot of work, And you learn the nuances of an integrated system when you came from disparate, non-integrated systems. And this organization has really rallied around the mission of let's get this right so that we can focus on the population, focus on quality, great team and more. It's a very impressive place sitting in South Mississippi on the coast. Sure. So thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. What do you hope to accomplish while you're here at HIMSS this week, Gene? You know, I've got some very specific things, which is to spend time with my Cerner associates and health catalyst to kind of do a snapshot, right? I actually like coming to him because after the past two and a half years, I don't get out much. They don't let me out much. <laughs> 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 so I get to come here and have conversations, particularly with those two vendors, that I don't really have time in my normal course of, of my day. And also, of course, to see what else is out there. People are, that's unique. There's a lot dicey to say at him. There's a lot that's not unique here. I'm looking for the few things yeah, that are unique. That's, yeah, that's yeah,
0: normal. Yeah, yeah. I think you Absolutely. can come in and just see. Yeah. Did the, we see that last year? Or? The
1: noise is just, you know. It's a lot of noise. Gene, yeah. before we wrap up, where can people go to contact you to learn more about Gulfport Memorial Hospital? They can go to gulfportmemorial.com,
2: which is our public-facing okay. website. They're free to email me, although 80% of my inbox is <laughs> unsolicited or not wanted information. But they can email me at thomas at mhg.com. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. It was
1: a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for doing it for us, You're welcome. Thanks Thank for the opportunity. You. Absolutely. That wraps this live broadcast from HIMSS15. Again, we want to do a quick shout-out to our sponsor, CTG.
0: Why CTG? Because experience matters. Thanks for joining us in this live coverage at HIMSS15 in the South Conference Expo Hall.
1: On behalf of our guest, Gene Thomas, and my co-host, Ray Ann Thorne, I'm Joe Lavelle, in Intrepid Healthcare's live coverage from Chicago. We'll be right back.